Well, hello, everybody. It is the 15th episode of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. So this week is going to be a little different than other podcasts. Uh, We had a last minute cancellation and I had already recorded an introduction where I talked about the person who was not able to come in for an interview. So at the last minute, I was very lucky to catch Phil Crosby, the executive director of Richmond Triangle Players, caught him on the phone to talk about a couple interesting and exciting upcoming events at Richmond Triangle Players uh, coming up just in the next week. So he will be talking about that after an interview with Rachel Hindman, who is a actress who's been very popular in town uh, the past couple years. She was first seen professionally in American Idiot here at Firehouse. And just a few weeks ago, she was in One in Four here at Firehouse. But at this particular moment, she is in rehearsal for Always a Bridesmaid, which is a new southern sitcom-y comedy that is opening this weekend at Swift Creek Mill Theater. So you will hear an interview with Rachel in uh, the wonderful, perfect audio quality that we usually have. And then you'll hear perhaps a little bit less audio quality when I switch over to my phone interview with Phil. So that's what we've got on tap this week. Please buy your tickets for Preludes now. Uh, The show opens on May 26th. It's going to be great, and uh, we'd love to see you at the theater for that show. But first, here is interviews with Rachel and Phil. We are here with Rachel Heinemann. Hi, Rachel. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Of course, Um, of course. Rachel is just about to get started. Well, you're in rehearsal mm-hmm. and it's just about to open Always a Bridesmaid mm-hmm. at Swift Creek Mill Theater. So thanks. I know everything's a little crazy when rehearsals are going on. So I appreciate okay. you making the time. Of course. You have been working pretty constantly in my mind. I mean, uh-huh. you were in, I first saw you in American Idiot. Uh-huh. And that it's my was my first professional show. Yeah. Okay. And that <laughs> was two years ago, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And since then, you've been in a bunch of things. Um, Alice, a new musical with Firehouse and Theater Lab. You were in Luna Gale. Mm-hmm. Just recently, you were in One and Four mm-hmm. here at Firehouse. And you were in Brave New World for mm-hmm. Quill. And now you're in Always a Bridesmaid. So <laughs> what I wanted to ask is, from the outside, from a spectator standpoint, mm-hmm. it feels like you're working all the time. Does that what it feels like? to you Ugh. or is it right now it definitely has for a while it was i've been pretty blessed though because it every break like i'll have like a month break or something and mm. i'll be even if it's like something that's like a very low profile kind of project thing i've been pretty like lucky that i've had opportunities come this <laughs> this part of the year uh-huh. like the past I think like three months has felt like a lot. Okay. Um, more than usual. This is not usually like this. Yeah. Is that <laughs> um, a good thing? Do no, it's, it it's great? great. It's yeah. great. I just, I'm not used to it. Yeah. So it's something that I'm like, now I told you earlier, I, I'm taking vitamins now. I'm making sure <laughs> I get the amount of sleep. Yeah. I don't yeah. really go out. I don't really go to, especially to like bars or anything like that where right. I have to be loud or like put a lot of energy out there. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, I'm really blessed. I really, it, it's been a great past couple months being able to work with so many different people and people I've looked up to and admired right. and I'm finally getting around to, you know, even I, I filled in for one weekend for Romeo and Juliet and it was just, it was just one weekend and it was a, yeah. it was an ensemble part, but getting to work some, with some of 
the people that I've been wanting to work with so long, right. even just like in that small kind of capacity. It was mm-hmm. so much fun. Definitely got to keep to myself though and just like make sure I'm paying attention to um, my health and yeah. getting sleep getting and sleep, my yeah. rest. That's like the most thing is just right. the energy and making sure I'm not spreading myself too thin. Right. <laughs> well, and so the show Always a Bridesmaid, mm-hmm. I was thinking was going to be a dramatic difference from one and four, uh-huh. but they're both kind of kooky comedies, <laughs> right? Yeah. But one and four was brand new piece. Yeah. Levi Marovich wrote it. Mm-hmm. You were in the original production mm-hmm. for DC Fringe. So does it feel different to you? Or the, the second production did that feel different? Or the the two did, shows? The I'm two doing? shows. Oh. The one and four. Uh, yes. At, at least for me, the characters like it's still a comedy, mm-hmm. but one and four was absurd. Yeah. And very. I don't want to, I guess, experimental because it was, it wasn't as like scripted or, I mean, it was scripted. Levi mm-hmm. wrote a beautiful script, but it was one of those things where I don't, there was more sense of a, uh, like a sense of play and mm-hmm. like experimental kind of feeling behind that. Like there was one show, someone's phone went off and <laughs> me and uh, Dixon like turned to the audience member and just like, commented on it like just kind of like looked at him like what are you doing like you know and it was a fun little moment that i feel like we were able to break outside of that able to break outside the fourth wall many times and we just they wanted us to feel the um freedom to do something like that to constantly be trying something new and even though we had like the outline of what we were doing every night was different and No doubt, no matter what theater show you do, it's going to be different every night. Right. I think it was something that was a little more sp- experimental, a little more absurd and outside of the box kind of thing. Like okay. a lot of people after they left, they're like, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that. Right. Like, what just happened? Yeah. I know. They're like that. Like, and a lot of people loved it because it was, it, it doesn't take, it didn't take itself too seriously. Right. And not that always a bridesmaid takes itself too seriously either. Right. It's a very fun, I would, I like to say it's a Southern comedy because it's right. very like Southern feel. All of the women, um, it actually takes place like right outside of Richmond, or a fictional uh, city outside, uh, outside of Richmond. And um, so we have to follow along the lines of that a little more than one in four did. Right. Well, and the cast of Always Bridesmaid is oh my gosh. You're, you're the one daughter and everybody else is kind of the next generation. Uh-huh. Up. So how does that work? How uh, does that feel? Yeah, that's some, it's a show that I definitely didn't even know had a part for me in it <laughs> and working with Tom on Pinocchio he kind of brought it up saying that there was a, there was a woman for mid 20s which also feels weird to me saying what mid 20s like what mid 20s now what how did you get there <laughs> um so, uh, but he was like yeah there's this part I'd like you for to read for it and um it's something that as soon as I started reading it I was like oh my gosh I know these people oh, it's really? people that you know it's people especially I've spent most of my life in the south and you you know these people you mm-hmm. know and they're they're all recognizable but they're all different right. um all of them and they all kind of complement each other and so um yeah yeah and- something the cast is, I mean, it's a great cast. Jackie Jones, Jody Smith-Strickler, Amy mm-hmm. Berlin, Jenny Hunley, Deborah Wagner. Uh, had you worked with any of these folks before? I've worked with Jackie on Brave okay. New World. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I, all of all of these women, I've, I've seen their work. I saw Rabbit Hole. I saw, right. of course, Deborah, like, you know, amazing. Yeah. Of course, all, all of them are amazing. People that I've seen their work and I'm so impressed with. And I had no idea when I signed on who else was in it. So when Tom sent the the cast list out to the rest <laughs> of us, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like it's so much talent, so much talent. Is it like group. having five mothers though? When they're all the next you know, generation up? Um, I, wanna, I would definitely say 
Jackie is definitely like a mother to me. Well, that's her character, so that makes <laughs> yeah, sense, right? Yeah, so it was perfect. Yeah. And I think working on Brave New World with her, I think me and her are just very similar in the sense that, I, I don't know, we, we like to make everybody feel comfortable, and I feel like we're both, we both think of others, like, not, not that other people don't do that, but I think <laughs> in Brave New World, we had, I don't know, this like kind of silent bond kind of thing that I loved that like made me so excited to work with her and even... Even though I barely even interact with her in the show, I barely interact with any of the women oh, in the really? show. Yeah, okay. well, because, okay, so basically the audience is the, uh, so the audience is at my wedding, basically. Okay. And so it's my recep- my wedding reception. I'm doing my speech. And so people, I'm talking directly to people in the crowd throughout the show. Okay. Kind of weaves in and out of me talking and um, scenes kind of going throughout time. Each scene is a different wedding okay. where craziness ensues. You know? <laughs> and so after each scene, I come back and I'm like still continuing my speech. Okay. So I don't really interact with any of them until the end, which is very funny to me. Like mm. I, like I get a lot, I got a lot of uh, bonding time with them, watching them do the scenes and stuff, but it's very funny. I'm doing a show where people I barely talk to the whole time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So you graduated from VCU mm-hmm. just last year or was the year before? Uh, 2016. 2016. So yeah, yeah two years this ago. past April would be, I guess, two two years now. Yeah. Okay. When you graduated, did you think about going or are you dug in? <sighs> can we count on you for um, <laughs> another few years? You can count on me, um, but... <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually kind of still on the fence about that. Really? I've been very um, fortunate that I've built a home here, and I've met so many people that I love working with, and people that I know that I haven't worked with that I would really love to work with. I'm kind of just wherever the wind takes me, kind of a thing. Like wherever the work is, I'll be there, and I know I can make art and meet new people no matter where I go. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of like on the fence multiple times. At one point, I wanted to go to DC, and at another point, I wanted to go to Atlanta. Um, um, now I'm kind of looking at California, but I'm not really, I'm not really committing to that yet. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I have a hard time because I'll audition for something. Right. And if I get in, I'm like, oh, I want to work now. I want to do this. Right. Um, but I also have to like <laughs> kind of pay attention to me right now. So I'm just probably after this, I don't have anything lined up. So I'm probably just going to take that time to just hmm. breathe and right. rest and like try to root myself in <laughs> like my needs and like what my my physical, like how I'm feeling, you know, okay. um, take a break maybe for like a second if I can help it. But <laughs> it's, it's really hard because whenever I see a project coming up, I'm like, oh, I want to work on that. that yeah. You know, I'm just hungry for new things. So. Yeah. Well, and even though you're, you know, relatively young, mm-hmm. you've done from American Idiot to Always Bridesmaid and mm-hmm. like Brave New World and <laughs> Luna Gale. Little, yeah. I mean, it's all that's different. a lot of different <laughs> things that you've yeah. done already. Uh-huh. Is, are there still challenges that are there specific challenges that you're still looking for? Yeah. Well, I think Always a Bridesmaid has been like a challenge for me because I've always kind of hated monologues mm-hmm. and that's what most of my work is in this show okay. and so it's at the rough point where obviously i have everything down you know the lines and you know i know what i'm doing i know the character well but it it would just ni- be nice to have an audience there so i mm-hmm. can because i'm just directly talking to them the right. whole time and you know they're my family and and uh <laughs> so i think it's been a challenge trying to keep that energy up and and really be uh, like, cause I have to introduce the show essentially. I'm the very first scene. I have to introduce the show and I have to keep the energy going. Right. And that's been a challenge for me. I think I'm doing a fine job. Like, I don't <laughs> know. I'll have to ask Tom, but I feel like, uh, that was a really good challenge for me because I, I really strive off of, uh, like the energy and feeding it sure. off of a, a scene partner. Yeah. And so the monologues in general have always been just like something that I'm like, 
you know, right. just it's just like a, the actor struggle. Everybody always loves when you get sides for an audition. Sure. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I can just work on the work, you know, have me yeah. just present this to you. So that was like a really good ch- challenge for me that I I feel like I'm doing a j- good job. I feel good about it. So. Okay. <laughs> well, um I know Alice was an all-female cast. And mm-hmm. It just occurred to me that Always Bridesmaid was an yeah. all-female cast. Does that have a distinctly different feel in the dressing room or through the rehearsal process? Well, I will say there is a difference in... Um, so, like, Alice was a bunch of girls my age, mm-hmm. and so we were all kind of on the same... <laughs> we were all on the same boat, like, sure. in our lives. Right. You know, we're all young uh, actors just trying to uh, figure ourselves out and figure, figure you know, whereas... These women that I'm working with and always a bridesmaid, they have, they kind of know, they already know who they are. (laughs) Not saying that Alice people didn't know who they are, but at this age, you're still figuring things out. And especially as an actor, you, you know, it, I've always been told that, you know, you're never really an expert until you've been doing it for like 20 plus years. Like (laughs) that's just always like the saying, like you're still a new actor and you're still learning new things and you don't really have it all figured out until you're at, at, you know, this, this age. But yeah, I think a lot of them have, uh, they're more sure of what they're doing. Right. <laughs> like they just, you know, they've been doing it for, you know, how, how many plus years and, sure. and they're all really experienced. And um, it's, it's also been like really a great experience watching them work and right. like seeing that, that level of like how many, you know, experience under your belt sure. and watching that and being a younger actor and being like, okay, so this is, you know, follow this, like, oh, I like that. I should like try to like take that with me, you know, on my yeah. next experience. I just all very professional on both in both casts, all sure. very professional. Um, and just like one thing I really liked about bo- both of them is, you know, there is nothing like a female, female energy and like really being able to work with that. A lot of the shows I've done, it's how many plus men and, and the sure. director's men and, I think there's something to be said about um, being in an all-female cast and being able to share that work and what it means to be um, a woman in in this industry. And everybody gets each other, you know, and and in the cast, everybody gets the experience. And even though we're at, like, different stages of our lives, it's like, I get it. I'm a woman. And just like a different connection, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm really blessed that I've got to do both of those and have those experiences because a lot of those are very rare. Yeah. (laughs) So. Well, I'm really, this is, it's a great cast. (laughs) Even before I knew you were going to be in it, I thought, wow, this is awesome. (laughs) Um, But I'm a big fan of yours. I think you're great. I I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Well, thanks. So I hope rehearsals continue to go well and break a leg. Yeah, thank you. All right, thanks. Okay, we are here with Philip Crosby, the executive director of Richmond Triangle Players. Hi, Phil. Hi, Dave. How are you? (laughs) I'm great. Thank you for being available for this uh, kind of last-minute sub-in for our podcast this week. This was not the way I wanted you to debut on the podcast. I wanted to, you know, give you a full hour, but, you know, um, I appreciate you uh, filling in for me. Well, you know, I've been been desperate to be on your show, so just... (laughs) It's it's great to be here, and I love talking to you. Yeah, I always well, do. You you're you're in a universe of one, so I, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I don't think that's true. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk to you in part because I mean the normal heart just wrapped up last week. Yes. Um, you have a little bit of a break until a chorus line opens uh, the first weekend of June. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you're going to be just sitting around twiddling your thumbs in the meantime. Um, you've got this weekend. You've got a tribute to John Knapp and Tim Gillum 
um, you're calling for the boys. Yes. Um, I was wondering where, how that came about. Well, you know, it's our 25th anniversary season. Like, you know, people don't know that as many times <laughs> as I've said it over the last 12 months. Um, and we've been trying to find some ways to really celebrate that accomplishment. And we've done, you know, any number of things. We've, you know, finally bought our building, which we now own free and clear, which is wonderful and made improvements. Congratulations. There. Thank you. We're very, we're thrilled about that. And then we've sort of set up the season in and dedicated it to Michael Gooding, who, right. of course, has been a part of RTP uh, since the very beginning. But I also wanted to make sure that we paid tribute also to John and Tim. John Knapp certainly has been a major reason why RTP is where it is today. He directed the second show that <laughs> RTP produced back in the day. It was our first actually really big hit, Vampire Lesbians of Sodom, the Charles Bush play. And it got us all kinds of coverage in the Richmond Times Dispatch. I mean, I don't, I think it's the first time the RTD ever said the words vampire and lesbians in, <laughs> in tandem. But he really set us on a journey that two decades later, you know, that was his tenure with us. It was over 20 years. Um, and by the way, never getting a dime in compensation. Oh, you're kidding. No, it was a volunteer position for him. Uh, John has a very good career as a uh, director of uh, medical engineering. He's worked for um, MCV and he worked for UVA hospitals and he's now with the parent company that runs Johns Hopkins outside of Baltimore or okay. in Baltimore. Yeah. But that was his, you know, that was his money earning job. So why give that up to work in theater where you're going to make $3, <laughs> right? But he had a career. He had a very good career as an actor and director before he, um, you know, gave it all up to make to make a real living. <laughs> to make real and life. <laughs> we were lucky back in the day that we found him and that he wanted to do this work because the, the other thing that having that life afforded him was the ability to go to New York all the time and see all the shows and be very current on everything that was happening 20-ish years ago at a point where no one at RTP could do that. And hmm. he really set us on a path in terms of what we were doing artistically. I think they gave us a bit of an edge and just sort of marked the company. I mean, it was, right. really was a great expression of what we were trying to do. Well, and I, and I remember from a, a cover story I did for Style all about Triangle Players and talking about how he was very consistent in pushing some of the lighter fare and some of the campier fare that, you know, mm -hmm. has always been very popular. There's a great a sort of, uh, it sounds like an apocryphal story, but both participants have said that it was true with John Knapp and, and our founding uh, director, Steve Earle. And they were having a meeting and it got rather contentious because Steve really liked the more serious work, the more, you know, political work. The, and John was pushing for the lighter, campier stuff. And at one point, apparently, Steve threw his pencil down on the table and said, we are not going to be doing that kind of light, campy Stuff. There was another u word used, of course, uh, <laughs> at this theater. And John threw his pencil down and said, well, you better do this light campy stuff at this theater or you're not going to be able to afford that stuff you want to do. Right. <laughs> and actually, that's, you know, that, that sense of balance has guided us all through these years. Right. You, you have to, as a company, I think, find that balance of programming and of course, Michael Gooding supported this too. But you find the balance in in being able to run your business, right? Right. You have to be able to support the art with the business. 
Yep. You still have to put butts in seats. You do. And, you know, there's a, there's a bit of me that thinks if there aren't any butts in seats, did we really do our job? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the whole idea of storytelling is that someone tells the story and somebody listens. Yeah. And if you're telling the story and nobody's listening, does it matter? I, <laughs> right. You know, so the, the whole making sure that that uh, loop is complete is really important, I think. Yeah. So the people you're coming to perform for this tribute – People like Kirk Morton, Steve Boshin, Michael yeah. Hawk, Fernando Riva De Niro, who I love to see, Nancy McMahon. It, I, I'm always I'm always curious about these kind of events. Is it something where you have curated the performers that you want to see, or do you put the word out and you know have to call the flock that comes in and, and volunteers, or how does that happen? Um, in this case, I mean, you can do it either way, of course. In this case, we really wanted people to let us know that they could. You know, people people are busy and their lives are full. So uh, we just wanted to make sure everybody who said they wanted to participate actually could do it on this date. So um, we did that, put the call out to a lot of people that we knew. And, of course, John and Tim knew what – we knew what shows John and Tim had worked on and All right. and uh, sort of wanted to do a little bit of a, as much of a retrospective as we could. Um, and then folks had to want to come in and, you know, do this on – it isn't had a rece- an extensive rehearsal period, <laughs> um, so they just wanted to, you know, we had to know they wanted to come in. So after everybody sort of said, "Well, I think I can do this. I can do this. I can do this," Keith Fitzgerald, who's our associate artistic director, um, and you know Keith's work, he directed uh, uh, Toxic Avenger, for Toxic, Fall, and also has done any number of things at RTP. He sort of took all the suggestions and he's pulled it together into a two-act evening where there'll be some song and a little a little uh light roasting if you will or <laughs> not really not really that but some lovely remembrances um from the cast and I'll be trying I'm emceeing so I'll try to you know tie it all together into one cohesive okay. piece yeah we'll yeah. see Phil Crosby on stage that would be kind of awesome uh yeah well I'll be sitting on a stool with a little thing in front with my glasses on cuz you know <laughs> Daddy don't learn no lines no more. I, I don't have any capacity for doing that. Uh, but it'll be it'll be fun, I think. Um, and then we'll also have a very special announcement at the end of the evening, which I'm going to make mysterious at this moment. Uh, okay. But, but it's a significant announcement that has to do with the future of RTP. And yeah, so I think it'll be fun. <laughs> and it directly re- leave it there. Yes, and it directly relates to the uh, legacy that John and Tim have left us. So. Okay. Hmm, well, hmm. intriguing. Hmm. Uh, well, speaking of announcements, you also kind of write on the tails of that next Tuesday, the 22nd, you're going to have a big season reveal party. Yes, we are. Um, and I'm curious, yeah, yeah. This is, is this the first time you've done it, or have you done it before? No, we've done it several years um, okay. in a row, uh, sometimes more grandly than others. Okay. Uh, this will be the second time we live stream it, which will be kind of fun. Ooh, uh, and again, you get to see me with my glasses on in front of a music stand, you know, talking <laughs> about it. But we also have some special musical guests who will be performers uh, that we've already contracted with to be a part of our next season. Okay. So they'll be doing uh, a couple of musical numbers and we'll be talking about the shows. We've got, uh, we're going to announce six main stage work, okay. four sort of sister series special event works, um, and then we've got about half of our cabaret series. 
wow. put together. So we'll be talking about all that. So it's it's a typically busy year at RTP. You know? <laughs> so um, I'm sure you're going to be able to tell me, like, you know, give me a couple of uh, preview hints, right? Well, I'll give you. I'll, <laughs> I'll throw you a couple clues. There will be two musicals, okay. uh, one of which involves a very iconic figure, hmm. and the other of which celebrates someone who is probably the greatest influence on American musical theater of the last fifty years. Wow. Uh, happens to be, you know, a, a, an LGBTQ person. We're going to be doing a major work in the fall that has been done in Richmond before, but it is in commemoration of the 20th anniversary of a very important LGBT event that will be happening in the fall. Huh. Uh, you know, we're we're always famous for a wacky Christmas show. Right. You know, people do like our wacky Christmas shows. So we're doing a brand-new play that just uh, premiered in New York last uh, holiday season. It will be one of the first productions outside of New York, huh. uh, which is kind of fun. And then we have two other work, one of which is kind of well-known, has had a Broadway run and is running regionally. That'll be part of the Acts of Faith Festival. It'll be the first comedy we've ever done in the Acts of Faith Festival. I will give you that clue. uh, Because, you know, we get really serious about our stuff at Acts of Faith (laughs) at Richmond Triangle Players. So this will be our first ever comedy. And um, then we're doing a lovely play in the spring, which is, uh, I, I could even tell you more. I could even tell you the title and people would go, huh? (laughs) <laughs> um, but but it's a not very well-known play at all, but it's an absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely piece. And it's hmm. going to mark the return of an actress who hasn't been on her stage for any number of years oh. uh, that I think well, is going to... Um, see, now, I was I, I was being facetious and thinking that you were just going to be like, nope, come yeah. see it. But you gave me a whole lot there. I appreciate I'll it. Give you, I'll give you some clues. Maybe that'll encourage some people to come to the party. I mean, the party is Tuesday. We start at 5, doors open 5.30. Our famous bar is open, and we'll get to the announcement about 6.15. And, mm-hmm. and then be done 7-ish, so people can get on with their Tuesday evenings, you know, oh, run, off, run off for dinner, et cetera. <clears throat> that sounds nice. So, I'm, so when you do these kinds of seasons announcements, do you see, do people start booking their tickets right away? What, what kind of benefit do you see from doing this kind of party? Well, I think it creates excitement. Um, we will be uh, opening up subscriptions to our, you know, our current renewing subscribers, and people will be able to subscribe to the main stage season and the second season. Um, and if I get all the rest of the cabaret acts booked, pretty much we'll do a subscription series on that. So people will be able to s- subscribe to all of those pretty soon. And that's and that's a bit of the benefit, and plus just getting people interested in what it is that you're doing. Yeah, it's the second year of what we're calling our three-year arc of important works or authors or subjects that have had a major impact on the on LGBT lives and theater. And okay. so I think it's going to be kind of interesting. I hope people will think it's interesting. Um, I just heard the other day about some rezoning happening in Scott's Edition. Is that yeah. going to affect you? Well, I mean, it, there is the good news and the bad news. The good news is all of Scott's Edition has been rezoned in a way that doesn't require any of the businesses to have private off-street parking, which was one of the major impediments mm. to us getting our building back in 2010 because they wanted us to have dedicate, you know, back in 2010, of course, nobody was parking in the streets. And yet they wanted us to have 20, a minimum of 20 private parking spaces. Now, in, you know, 
City's infinite wisdom, they have finally realized maybe that's not such a good thing and businesses could open more freely if they didn't have that parking impediment. The only issue is right now is now it's getting very hard to park in competition. And literally, when back in the day, I could have driven in, I could have told just by looking at the cars in the street what kind of audience I was going to (laughs) have at the theater. Now I, I don't. Because um, there's so much going on between the Hofheimer building up there and the new restaurants on Broad, the triples being redone, right. P.F. Chang's, Lunson Supper, all the breweries, the cideries. I mean, it's it's craziness. So, you know, I I do tell people now, just please try one of the fabulous restaurants in Scott's edition and park your car and then right. walk over to the you theater because it's... it's <laughs> It's um, it's it's getting crazy. Yeah, it's great. That's, I'm yeah. glad where we are where we are. It's fun to be in sort of one of the hotter neighborhoods in town. I, I no don't kidding. begrudge that at all. You are you're the popular kids now. Well, you know, I always say to people, see what happens when you bring a theater company into yeah. an otherwise unheard of neighborhood. That's right. Look at what happens. Bring some art into a neighborhood, and all the other businesses follow. It is the power, the infinite power of theater. I think so. That's <laughs> my belief, anyway. I'm going to stick to it. I'll I'll support you on it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. These uh, sound like some fun things, and <clears throat> you know, in a couple weeks, probably we'll have something else—a little, a little chorus line kind of thing to talk about. Yes, there is there is a bit of a buzz about Chorus Line and, and how the heck we're going to do that show on our stage. So there is a story <laughs> to tell there. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, people will have to tune in in a couple weeks and hear more about that. But for now, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And um, I appreciate it, too. Thank All you right. so much. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Dave. Okay, that was episode 15 of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Get your tickets now for Preludes, uh, the musical Fantasia that is opening here at Firehouse on May 26th. It's going to be great. You're going to be hearing more about it on the podcast. You heard about it on the last episode of the podcast, and we'll be talking about it in the future. Thank you, Phil Crosby, for hopping on the phone right there at the last minute and talking about what's coming up for you. And of course, Thank you to Rachel Heineman for talking to us about Always a Bridesmaid uh, opening this weekend at Swift Creek Mill Theater. We will see you next week.